0: The Posting Up podcast is brought to you by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national moderator for the Washington Post. Coming today with a Twitter mailbag podcast. Thank you to all of you who sent questions to me for this. I really appreciate it. Uh, but the, the questions that came in today, Friday, are actually the ones that we're gonna start with because they center around the, the, the story of the day, which is that Kemba Walker is, in fact, on the trade block, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, friend of the uh, podcast and ESPN's Star Newsbreaker. Um, and Bonaventure uh, alum, of course, uh, like myself. I wrote about the prospect of the Hornets trading Kemba a couple of weeks ago in a column, why it made sense to me. They have maybe, in in my opinion, the worst situation in the NBA. They have a ton of terrible contracts on their books. They have no real young prospects. Kemba's only 18 months away from free agency, now even less than that. Uh, I don't really see any reason to think he's going to stay there. So to me, if you move him now, you could start to move some of those contracts, you can get some assets back, you could start to reset things as opposed to uh, having to just wait around and see what happens with him a year and a half from now and then start over uh, with with nothing to show for it uh, if he leaves in free agency. So let's start with a question about that. Where are the likely landing spots for Kemba Walker? I wrote about two of them in the column that I wrote, which will be in the bio with the podcast. Uh, One is the New York Knicks, Kemba's hometown. Uh, A combination of Kemba Walker and Kristas Porzingis would be pretty, pretty fun. Uh, I would be definitely into that. And I I think I could see the Knicks doing that too. I have advocated for a long time. The Knicks need to just slowly build this thing back up, Uh, you know, draft young players, build around Porzingis that way. But if they can get Kemba Walker, it would not surprise me if the Knicks went in on that. The trade I proposed in the column was uh, Kemba and Marvin Williams, one of Charlotte's bad contracts for Joe Kim Noah, rookie Frank Nilakina and uh, the, 2018, the, the Knicks' 2018 first-round pick, which to me would give Charlotte two you know, either lottery picks or you know, a mid-first-rounder for the Knicks and a high lottery pick for them. It would also give them uh, Nolkina, who can be a long-term replacement for Kemba at the point. They can then play him and Malik Monk a lot over the rest of the season. Uh, then you know, they'll, have, they'll have two picks in this year's draft. It, it would give them a chance to start over and really start to rebuild around a young core. And I, I think if you're Charlotte, that's that's the, what you need to get out of this trade. You either need to get a lot of salary cap relief, or you need to get um, you need to get real young players you can start to build around. And the unique thing about a Kemba trade is that there just are not a lot of teams that need a point guard. Um, it, it's a it's a difficult situation, and that that goes to the next question that I got: uh, Is Denver the most logical team for Kemba? Uh, Yes, I think they are, probably, because they do have a bunch of young players that they could trade back. The problem is, Denver is not going to trade Jamal Murray in a trade, and they don't really have the ability to take on any bad contracts. So, if you're not going to move Murray, who they would move for Jimmy Butler this summer, I doubt they're going to move him for Kemba, uh, then I don't really see what the the point of even starting a discussion is. So, you look at a team like the Indiana Pacers, they could take on a lot of bad salary uh, with some of the weird contracts they've signed, where they have basically non-guarantees on guys like Al Jefferson and Bojan Bogdanovich and... Uh, Derek Hollison for next season. So you could take on a lot of money if you wanted to, but I don't necessarily see Indiana wanting to do that. You have the Knicks who, you know, would have to send back a bad salary like a Joakim Noah probably to make it work, but could take on some salary, would have some, it would do have a pick and a young asset that they could turn into something. Um, so, so there is, there is a lot of, uh, there are some potential moves there, but, and, you know, people even mentioned the Cavaliers. I mean, yeah, I guess you could frame some trade around the Brooklyn Nets pick and, uh, Isaiah Thomas for you know, and maybe you throw in a Tristan Thompson, and you take back Kemba and a uh, one of maybe Marvin Williams or something. I, you could do a trade like that. I just I don't know if you're Cleveland if that really makes you any better. So it is kind of the weird situation that that Charlotte finds itself in, where I do think clearly the best long term decision for them to make would be to trade Kemba and to rebuild around a young core and start over. Uh, The problem is there just aren't a lot of easy landing spots for him to go to. And that goes to uh, another question about this, the final one. Charlotte has so many bad contracts. What do you think their plan is right now? Well, look, when you make a trade like this, you start over, assuming they do actually make the trade. Uh, So the goal would be to start to get off some of these bad contracts and to start to reset their books and shift back towards developing young players and starting over. I mean, look. Charlotte, Charlotte just had some bad luck. They had a 7-59 season, and then they got the number two pick in a one-player draft. You know, if they'd gotten the number one pick that year and gotten Anthony Davis, and they had Anthony Davis and Kemba Walker, they would be a top-four team in the East, and things would be totally different, right? And so they got the number two pick. They got Michael Kidd-Gurkos, who's a, who's a nice player, but isn't much of a shooter, is a nice defender, just doesn't isn't a difference-making player, really, in the NBA. And that, that kind of underscores... The situation that, that Charlotte finds itself in, they, they tried, you know, they, they, they made a, they, they signed Nick Batum, uh, who a lot of teams wanted the wizards, other teams were ready to sign. They got him to come back there on a, even a bit of a discount. Um, you know, they traded for Dwight this year. They, they, they made a run at it. I give them full credit for trying and not just sitting around and saying, ah, oh, you know what? We're just going to float along and see how things go. I mean, they, they swung for the fences and the bottom line is it just didn't work and that's Okay. But to me, it's like you can do one of two things at this point. You can sit around and you can wait for this to, you can hope things turn around and maybe you make the eight seed in the playoffs and maybe you can convince Kemba to stick around or you could say, hey, look, we tried, this isn't working. Our best bet for the long-term is to reset this and start over and start getting some young players back uh, in trades and start to get some better picks and just start over and try to rebuild this thing. Um, You know, I think that's the way to go. And the the one other thing I need to say about this is there's been a lot of talk about how a trade like this would irreparably damage the relationship between Hornets fans and the franchise. And I'm sorry, it is not a good reason to make or not make a trade because fans might get upset. That is a terrible reason to ever do business about anything. You need to make trades that are the best, in the best interest of a franchise for the long term. If the Hornets trade Kemba Walker, and it turns, and that is the move that allows them to sink in the lottery and get a Marvin Bagley, a DeAndre Ayton, a Luka Doncic, a Trey Young even, and that player is the beginning of a a turnaround that has this team in three or four years looking like, to say, the Sixers now, or the Celtics now, no fan in Charlotte is going to say, oh man, we should have traded Kemba, you know. It just it's, it just stinks that we're really good now. Look, rebuilds might not work. You could be Orlando, and you could try to rebuild the team, and you could have bad luck. You could be like what Charlotte is now, where they try to build this team through the draft, and it doesn't work really. But and I, and I'm not somebody that advocates for just blowing up every team for the sake of well, you got to start over. You got to you got to either be compete for a championship or nothing. Like I, I, there's value in just being a solid playoff team, but Charlotte isn't a solid playoff team. And look, in a vacuum, I wouldn't trade Kemba Walker because he's a really good player and he's a great dude and he's the kind of guy that you want to be leading your franchise. But if the choice is, let Kemba walk in 18 months, not get anything back for him, have to completely start over then with all these bad contracts, with with no real outlook to get better in the the near term, uh, or trade him now, get some assets back and start the rebuilding process now where you could start from a position of strength and know that, you could plan that way moving forward. I don't think there's a comparison in terms of which place you wanna be if you're the Hornets in terms of trying to better your franchise and move on from there and and try to get back to being a competitive team. This is a team that has not won a single playoff series in 14 years in the league. So acting like trading Kemba Walker would be a, a catastrophe I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I just think it's incredibly short sighted and not looking at the bigger picture. Which is, if your choice is we're not going anywhere with this group, or so let's get something for Kemba who's probably going to leave anyway and start over, or we can not trade Kemba, hope he sticks around because he really likes Charlotte, and then if he doesn't, we're stuck having to completely start over with no assets to see to to speak of. No no salary cap relief, nothing. I, I don't understand how that's the better move. So that, that's a lot said on Kemba Walker, but that is the news of the day. But let, let's move on to some other stuff because there is a bunch of stuff happening in the NBA right now. It's interesting. What is the best, most likely return on the Hawks trade pieces? The Hawks, uh, I can report this, uh, not that it's on the, the first person to. Uh, Travis Schlank, the new GM of the Hawks, is interested in getting draft picks and getting lots of draft picks. He's already got three first round picks, I think he'd love to get another one. Uh, he's got two expiring contracts in er- Ersan and Marco Bellinelli. He's got another guy with a player option in Dwayne Debman. My guess is if he could turn a couple of those guys into one big contract that's got money next year that gets him a first-round pick, I think he'd do that. If you, you know, maybe you, you could probably turn Dedman into, you maybe turn uh, Marco Bellinelli and Sova and, and Debman into each into a second-round pick each and get a couple of them. I mean, I could see that too. Um, but my guess is that Travis is going to go into the deadline, looking to take on dead money like he did in the Miles Plumlee trade, uh, when he sent Dwight Howard back and out and got Plumlee back. I think he's going to try to take other bad money on. He's going to try to get assets and just restock the cupboard. I mean, that, that to me is, is I think what his overriding goal is going to be. Do you think Scott Brooks's job is at risk? No, I don't. However, I am really curious to see what happens tonight when the Wizards play the, the Pistons in Detroit. That's a big game. Uh, for the Wiz. They need to win that game. Uh, And I really, I'm really very curious to see how Scotty approaches that game. And if he does make some of the moves he's talked about making, Um, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting situation to monitor because the Wizards have underachieved and and they need to, they need to play better and they need to get things turned around because this is a team that should have been in in competition with teams like the Raptors and Celtics and Cavs. And instead they look like they're going to be in the bottom half of the East playoff picture. And that's just not good enough for them. What moves do you think Sam Presti will try to do at the deadline? Sam is going to try to upgrade his bench. Uh, he's always aggressive at the deadline. I'm sure he's going to be trying to do something. And you know, Oklahoma City is a couple guys short. And I think if you look at where the Thunder are right now, that's what they're going to try to do. So you know, if he can make a move, I think he will. They don't have many assets though. So if he can't make a move, I think what he's going to do is go out in the buyout market and try to entice guys to to come get a lot of minutes on a team that should make a deep run in the playoffs. So. Um, I'll be very surprised if Oklahoma City has not added a vet or two between now and March 1st when the, the buyout deadline happens. Who do you think helps the Cavs more? DeAndre Jordan or Marcus Frankly, I don't think either of them helped the Cavs that much. Uh, I would not trade the Brooklyn Nets pick for either one of those guys. Uh, I don't think DeAndre Jordan's getting traded because the Clippers are now tied for sixth in the West, and I don't think that Mark's getting traded because the, the Grizzlies won't do it. Um, so, I, I But I don't really think either one of them helps them a lot. They they have too many issues, I think, for to to be trading for either one of those guys, who would just gum up their spacing and require them to, you know, redo how they play their play their whole system now because they have to move Kevin Love back to power forward, which you know would require a lot of other changes. So I, I don't, I'm not as high on either of those moves as a lot of people are. Should Memphis cash in on Tyreek Evans and trade him? Yes, they should, but it depends on what they want to get back. I mean, they, they're talking about wanting a first round pick. I think that's going to be tough for a guy with Tyreek's injury history on an expiring deal. But if they're willing to take a second for him and just get something, uh, I definitely think that there's a market for Tyreek and it'd be smart for them to move on from him. Can the Heat be a top four team and thoughts on Bam Adebayo? Uh, The Heat definitely could be a top four team. They have one of the, you know, maybe the best coach in the league, certainly in the top five for me and Eric Spolstra. Um, And they've got a deep roster. I didn't really like a lot of the moves they made this summer. I still don't, but uh, they, they have a lot of solid players and in the regular season, you can win a lot of, a lot of games with a bunch of solid players who play hard in a great coach. And that's what the heat have. Um, Adam has been nice. I, I think he looks like, he looks like he could be a modern center. Uh, he's very switchable on the perimeter. He's really athletic. Uh, he, he's got a high motor. He's shown a bit of a, uh, offensive game. He's got a jump shot. Um, you know, he's got stuff he can do. So. Uh, I'm intrigued by him, and, you know, I think if he could find a way to to trade Hassan Whiteside and get some other pieces back, it would not surprise me if they did to try to get him some more minutes. But uh, I think that Whiteside's market is going to be pretty limited. In today's NBA, it's critical for point guards to shoot the ball effectively. John Wall has shown no improvement. Will the Wizards regret the contract they gave him? No. Uh, let's settle down with no improvement. John Wall's been one of the best players in the league for years now. Uh, he has not been as good this season. I think part of that has to be that he is really bothered by this current knee issue that he has. Um He doesn't look like the same player. I think that's an easy explanation as to why, and I'm not ready to jump off the John Wall bandwagon by any means, even though I didn't pick him as one of my all-star reserves in the column that came out today for the Washington Post. Is this summer too early for the Nets to trade some of their assets for a great player? What is the general opinion around the league of Karis LeVert and Rondé Hollis Jefferson? I don't think the Nets have enough assets to go get a great player, and I don't really think they need to. You know, They're in the middle of a rebuild. It's going to take some time for them to – Uh, to turn this thing around. And I think they just need to show some patience. Uh, Levert and Hollis Jefferson are both guys that that people around the league are intrigued by. Uh, Levert, in a league where there are no wings, the fact that he's a a solid two-way wing who can handle the ball and shoot the ball uh, makes him a a pretty valuable player. Uh, I I think he's a guy that the Nets look at as somebody they can build around for a while. Hollis Jefferson uh, is a guy I really like a lot personally, and he's Really developed under Kenny Atkinson. They haven't played a power forward for them, even though he's only about six seven. It maybe a, feels like a buck eighty five when he's soaking wet. I mean, he he's just not a huge guy, but he 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 works his tail off. He's got really good handle uh, for for a, a wing slash big, uh, so he can bring the ball up on the break. He's a good passer. Um, he's active defensively. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could do with him. So I think he might be a guy that's a little undervalued in terms of when he hits restricted free agency next summer, but. Um, I think those are two guys you can look at as being part of the next good Nets team, which you know, is further proof that, that this team is, is a little bit closer to contention than maybe people think. Will Lavar's presence factor into the yes or no decision for free agents for the Lakers, or do the Lakers have bigger humps to get over than the big baller brand? Uh, I think LeVar Ball is going to be an issue for free agents. I could see players saying, I don't want to deal with that guy in the circus that he brings to a team on a daily basis. However, the Lakers have bigger problems than that, namely that they just don't have any, met very many very good players right now. I think you can argue they have no guys that look like future all-stars. Uh, people got very excited about Kyle Kuzma. He's come back to earth. Uh, Bonzo, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are both nice players. I'm not sure they're going to be stars. Uh, you know, They don't have a Ben Simmons. They don't have a Joel Embiid. Uh, they don't even have a guy like Jason Tatum on their team, I don't think at this point. So, um, you know, they, they have work to do, uh, I think, but I, I, I don't, and, and I do think that Lavar is going to be a factor, but I, I do think they have other issues that, you know, if they had more talent, I, I don't think, or if LeVar or if Lonzo was looking like say Ben Simmons right now, instead of just a nice player, uh, I think that there would be less, uh, of an issue with what Lavar is saying in terms of it potentially having an impact on our future for agents. What wing players should the Cavs be targeting at the trade deadline? I don't really know. I mean, to me, the wing players who should be targeting at the trade deadline are Jay Crowder and J.R. Smith. I mean, I've been on record as saying this. I think they just need their guys to play better. They need Isaiah Thomas to get healthy. They need Jay Crowder to play better. They need J.R. Smith to play better. They need Tristan Thompson to play better. I mean, that's not the sexy uh, answer for them. It's not go trade for DeAndre Jordan or go trade for, you know, make some trade for Paul George that the Thunder are never going to make or the same with the Marcus Cousins with the Pelicans. Um... But I think they just need their guys to play better. And, it, and you know, it, it's maybe it's just not going to happen. But I, I think that's the most likely way for this team to turn itself around between now and the playoffs and, you know, really put it in position to get back to the finals for a fourth straight season. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st up postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st up postupnewsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Any thoughts on what the Jazz should do with Derek Favors? Derek Favors, I'm guessing, is going to be traded by the trade deadline. Uh, he does, as the as the question states, he does play the same position as Rudy Gobert, who is Utah's best player. Um, and I don't think the combination of them is necessarily going to work. Favors also has dealt with a lot of ish, uh, injury issues, unfortunately, because he you know, was a really nice player when he's healthy. Um, you know, I think the rumored trade about him for Nikola Mirotic makes a lot of sense for both teams, especially if Utah will throw in a pick. Um, I think you know getting Miritich to play next to to Rudy Gobert would make a ton of sense. Uh, give Quin another you know good offensive player, another floor spacer. Um, makes makes a lot of sense for me. He's got a year left on his deal, so you're getting a couple years out of him. Uh, I I think Miritich would help a lot. So that, in my opinion, is what is a deal that would make sense. Um, but I think regardless, it would it would not surprise me at all if Favors uh, is sent somewhere either in, in a package for. Uh, salary that goes in the next season that brings back an asset to the Jazz, or uh, in a trade for a guy like Miritich, where maybe you give up an asset to get him, but you're also uh, ensuring that you've got a guy who's going to be around for a couple of years who really fits with what you're trying to do. What's with all the fights in the NBA lately? Is it boredom, poor refereeing, or something else? I, I think some of it's the dog days of the season. It's January, it seems are about halfway through the year, guys are tired. Um, get easier to get frustrated when you've kind of, you're kind of in the middle of playing a million games in a row. I was joking with somebody yesterday that we need to get to the all-star break as a league right now to uh, try to get past some of this nonsense that's happening. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's, it's a combination of a lot of stuff, but that's mostly what I would attribute it to. It's just, you know, guys are kind of tired of seeing each other every day and it's time to, time to get away from it for a little while. Rank these guys if you had to choose one as your lead guard for the next 10 years. Donovan Mitchell, Alonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, and Markel Fultz. Well, right now, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is clearly the number one, and then, you know, the other three guys all have different warts. I mean, I'm tempted to say Markel Fultz even with his shooting issues, but I think given that he hasn't played this year, even I, you know, I still believe in him, I probably can't quite do that. So I would probably say, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball, and Fultz in that order, but I think those three guys you can go just about any direction in and and I think they're all going to be I think they're all going uh, to be very good players in the end. What happens to a team that's so distressed financially that they literally quote can't pay the bills. This is in reference to your Hornets article. I'm also curious whether there has been any historical precedents for this. Uh, well, if it got to a point where an owner couldn't pay the bills for his team, they would have to the league would take over the team and they'd have to sell it. That's essentially what happened, I'm pretty sure, with uh, the New Orleans Hornets. After they moved from Charlotte to New Orleans, the league ended up taking over the team from George Shannon. I'm pretty sure the reason why was he just couldn't really pay the bills anymore, so they essentially bought the team from him and then sold it later. I don't remember that 100%, but... uh, I don't think there's a reason now there's a ton of vetting into all these ownership groups. They don't want to be in a situation where they have uh, ownership groups that come in that don't have enough money to, to take care of business. So um, I, I think that that is, uh, you know, that is something that, that could be monitored as the salary cap spikes up like, the, like it has the last couple of years. But uh, I think the overall picture there is that you know, the is in a position where it doesn't have any owners that aren't in that kind of financial trouble. And I, I don't think it's ever going to be a problem again. If you're the Nets, should they should you attempt to trade Spencer Dinwiddie? Good player, great story. Could he easily fetch a num- uh, number one pick? Uh, first round pick, I should say. Um, I wouldn't trade Spencer. He's on a minimum contract for next season. They are going to have his bird rights. So they can keep him around. Uh, I think if you look at where the Nets are going, he's a guy that could easily fit with the way they're playing. Um, have him and D'Angelo Russell playing in the, the backcourt for a long time. I think Russell, you know, I think I got a question later about Russell, so I'll just answer it now. Russell's coming back tonight against the Miami Heat. Uh, should be a fun matchup there. And I think when you look at um, when you look at that backcourt, you know, Russell's always been kind of a combo guy anyway. People have looked at him as maybe he's more of a two than a one. Uh, so if you have him and Spencer playing together, those are two six, five, six, six guys, long arms. Um, you know, I think you could switch them onto whoever – you know, you, can, you could do some matchup stuff with them defensively. You can have them take turns sharing the uh, sharing the ball, in and load offensively. They can both shoot the ball. Um, so to me, I'd kind of like to just see that backcourt for a while. And I, I think that could be, you know, a really fun mix for the Nets for a long time. Who will be the all-star starters in five years? Uh, obviously a weird question because, um, you know, even with the way the thing is now, it's hard to know who's going to be in which conference or not. Um, but if I just had to, if I had to guess... I would say that uh, LeBron and Steph will still be starting because they'll still be probably the two most popular players in the league. So there's two. I would say Anthony Davis and Giannis will be starting. That's four. Um, I would say that Kevin Durant is probably still starting. That's five. Um, hmm, I don't know. I would say those five guys are starting. And then after that, you, you probably have to just see where where people wind up. Um you know, I, I think Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, will be probably still starting then at six. But there's a lot of stuff that could uh, that could shake into that or that could that could play into, you know, whether guys would be, you know, at all star levels or not or who would be voted in or whatever a few years from now. Kyrie will be in the mix, too. That's seven. You know, you could even see guys like Luka Doncic or some of these guys in this current draft uh, in the mix. You could see Donovan Mitchell in the mix. I mean, there's there's a lot, a lot of guys that could be could be in those last few spots. What Western Conference players, not currently All Stars, go to the East to become a lock for the All Star game? Well, two guys. I mean, I didn't put uh, Nico Jokic or Paul George on my All Star team. I didn't put Chris Paul in there either, but he's hurt and he's only played 25 games, so I, I, that's why I left him off. But I think Paul George and Jokic both would be All Stars in the in the East, uh, given the way they've played this year. Um, you know, so there's two guys, but I think the conference disparity is a little less than people think. There, there's there's a couple of really good teams at the top of each one, and then there's a bunch of mediocre teams. That goes for the East and the West now. Any chance Toronto goes balls to the wall? That's a direct quote. And moves Lowry and Kyle Lowry and Jonas Valanciunas. They love Fred Van VanVleet and Jakob Pertl. Um I don't think the the Raptors will trade Kyle Lowry. I also don't think there's a ton of a ton of market uh, for him. I do think they would trade Jonas Valanciunas if they could. Um, my guess is they probably will not because I don't think there's a really a market there and they're not going to give up assets. Uh, you know, if they could swing a trade for a guy like DeAndre, they are a team that I think it could really help them to get a guy like DeAndre. Um, but I also don't think De- DeAndre is going to move. So my guess is that, you know, where they are, they're probably just going to sit tight and, and, you know, maybe make a move on the fringes and, and roll with what they've got into the playoffs. What is your rest of the season outlook on Bogdan Bogdanovich, Now that the Kings are apparently resting their veteran players in favor of player development for their younger guys, uh, Bogdan's a nice player. Again, in a league where there are no wings, he's a ball handling wing, active guy, pretty athletic, uh, could shoot the ball. Um, you know, his contract three years, I think, at nine million a year, three or four years, nine million a year. I mean, that's a that's a good deal. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a nice player for them. Now they obviously need to develop a lot more players than him, but uh, I think he, you know, he looks like a guy that they were wise to, to trade for, and is going to be a nice piece. Uh, I also got asked about Willie colley Stein's ceiling. To me, he's a backup center. I, I've never been much of a fan of his game. Um, he's one of the—he's a guy that, that's more uh, theoretical as a player than potential as a player in terms of uh, our theoretical. Or, or in, he's more of a theoretical player instead of an actual player. And that you look at him and he does stuff that should allow him to be a good player, but he hasn't really proven it in the league. And you know, maybe he's a guy that goes to another situation that's got a little more structure and, and is better. But uh, at this point, I, I, I'm not betting on that happening. How much will Isaiah Thomas get on his next contract if he isn't on the same team as LeBron James? Well, I mean, Brian Winhurst, my friend from ESPN, wrote a really interesting story about this recently. I think Isaiah's probably gonna be in Cleveland one or the other, because again, there aren't a lot of teams that need a point guard. And Isaiah, you know, is a guy that uh, Dan Gilbert, the team's owner, is a fan of. And I could see him, you know, wanting to keep him. I mean, I think that if Isaiah doesn't, you know, I could see Isaiah signing a, a smaller deal than people think, maybe two, two years, 20 million with a second year player option, something like that, to give him a chance to get healthy and maybe get back in the market a year from now. Um, you know, maybe he signs like three for 45 or something, but I, his market's going to be pretty limited, I think. And, and, you know, he his best bet could likely be staying in Cleveland regardless of whether LeBron is there or not. If New Orleans does start entertaining serious officer for Anthony Davis, how do the Celtics make a competitive offer without breaking up their team? Uh, you wouldn't worry about breaking up your team. You're getting Anthony Davis. You just make the trade and you get it done with, you know, without any worries about whether uh, you're trading guys like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I mean, you you are getting Anthony Davis, and you're quite happy. I mean, if you could, you know, if you move Al Horford and you know another young piece or two, and you have uh, Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving and you know, whatever Jalen Brown and or however you want to do it, Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving is going to have you in contention for a long time. So you 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 develop all these assets and you find all these assets like Boston has to get a player like Anthony Davis, whether it's by drafting them or by trading for them. So uh, you know, you say Gordon Hayward, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving. I didn't even mention Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving. I, I'd go to war with that trio any day. So. Uh, I think if you're if you're a Celtics fan, you just worry about getting Anthony Davis and let the rest of it figure itself out. Why isn't David Fisdale coaching the Bucs yet? And if not the Bucs, where do you think he'll end up? Well, he isn't coaching the Bucks yet because the Bucks haven't fired Jason Kidd. <laughs> That's why. And uh, uh, in all seriousness, I don't think that Bucks are going to fire Kidd anytime soon. Um, you know, maybe if they fall apart as the year goes on, maybe after the season. I, I don't think before then. Um, Fisdale's probably going to be the most popular candidate on the market this summer. I, I think... You know, if the Lakers do something with Luke Walton, he could be a fit there. If the Clippers do something with Doc Rivers, he could be a fit there. Um, you know, I think you could see him in a place like Milwaukee. You could see him in a place, you know, I think I think Fred Hoiberg's fine in Chicago, but you could see him in a place like Chicago. Uh, you know, I guess if the Knicks did something with uh, Jeff Hornacek, you could see him there. If Charlotte does something with Steve Clifford, you could see him there. I mean, I think you could see him a lot of places. He's going to have a lot of interest. But um, my guess is he ends up one of those two L.A. teams if either one of them makes a move. Why are the Nuggets regressing? Uh, The Nuggets are a young team. Paul Millsap's hurt. Uh, And, I mean, look, they're half a game out of sixth place, right? So, I mean, if they win three or four games in a row, then I think they're a game and a half out of fifth place. So, you know, I think they're doing just fine. They're going to make the playoffs, I think. I'm not really worried about them. They're going to get Millsap back soon. Uh, And I I think that'll take care of a lot of their issues. But uh, I I wouldn't necessarily say they're regressing. and I don't think that they're a lost cause either. Are the Rockets a team that could push the Warriors to a seven-game series? They're now 16-0 when Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella played together. Seven games, no, I don't think so. But I do think if at their peak, they are the team that could give Golden State the most trouble this season because they do have you know, the, the variance factor that they could make 25 threes three or four times in a series and really make it interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think they're deep enough. And you know, look, Chris Paul and James Harden have both short-circuited in the playoffs a lot. And I'm going to need to see those guys, you know, not only play together, but play well in a big spot to you know to really go toe-to-toe with Golden State and there's the fact that that same variance could have Houston in a lot of trouble in a playoff series where if they're just not making shots or you know if they play a team like the Thunder that can throw Andre Robertson and Paul George at James Harden for 48 minutes I mean that could kind of shut Harden down and then if that happens then what do they do so uh, I really I'm a a big fan of Houston's I enjoy the way they play I do think they're really good but they've got some stuff to prove between now and uh, and the postseason to to show where they're really going to be at. I've been wondering, it's four years into Stephen Curry showing the league how to use off dribble, off the dribble deep threes to expand the zone and no one else seems to be trying it. Why not? Is he that much better or is it a system slash coaching thing? Uh, it seems like it would be copied. Well, Stephen Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. So... <laughs> Maybe people aren't copying what he's doing because it's insanely hard to do. Uh, I think that's the main reason. I mean, guys like Damian Lillard are definitely pulling up from deep and so is James Harden and so are other guys, but uh, nobody is like Steph and that's why he's made himself into such a unique player. It's because he... He does things with the ball that nobody else can do. That's why when Gold, he's on the court, Golden State's offense is completely insane. Uh, you know, even, he even more than Kevin Durant is the the variance factor that makes them, you know, the team that they are when they're when they're all clicking together. So um, I wouldn't blame any players for not working hard enough or seeing what Steph is doing. Going, hey, you know what? I'm not going to bother with that. I I think guys would love to do that. It's just really, really, really hard to do. How can the Spurs add a max player this summer? Well, I mean, the short answer is that they could add a max player by moving on from, you know, a bunch of different salaries. I mean, they're kind of a weird salary cap position because they've got, uh, you know, they've, they've got a few big numbers on the books. But um, as it stands now, they have, you know, $78 million guaranteed according to Basketball Insiders. So it's probably going to be about $24 million under the cap. Uh, you know, they, if they could trade Pau Gasol, They could get to a max spot for sure. Um, That's probably the way you would do it. Ideally, uh, is move on from Gasol, and then you would go get uh, somebody to play with Kawhi and LaMarcus. Um, That's going to be easier said than done. They'd have to give up assets with that. That's not something they've they've normally done in the past. They tend to keep their picks. Um, You know, they've got. You know, they could also move Patty Mills in a deal. Um, You know, that also I think is going to be tough. So they they've got some they've got some moves they could make. But my guess is that they. Uh, play around the edges a little bit, and then next summer when they really only have Lamarcus, and uh, you know they've got some guaranteed money for Powell, they've got, but they really just have Lamarcus, Kawhi, and Lamarcus and Patty Mills on the books with Kawhi's option coming up. That's when I think you could see them jump into the market and and really make a splash for uh, for a big time player, especially given that next summer there's a ton of free agents that are star level players. You got uh, we've talked about Kemba, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler. Uh, you could have. Um, could have LeBron James if he takes a one-year deal to stay in Cleveland or go somewhere else. You could have Paul George if he takes a one-year deal to stay, stay there and go somewhere else. Um, there, there's a lot of guys who are going to be free agents next summer that I, I think could be really interesting. And, and so if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm the Spurs, to me, that's the summer I'm really trying to strike and not this one. Do I think the Knicks can make the playoffs? No, I don't. I think if the Knicks make the Kemba Walker trade that I referenced earlier, uh, I think then with him and Chris Hesporzingis, I think they would make the playoffs, and they'd be a pretty interesting team in the playoffs. Uh, but short of that, I think they're going to fade pretty hard over the next couple of months. They, they played a ton of, of home games early, and that kind of artificially boosted their schedule. They've since plummeted back to earth as the uh, – as the January schedule has rolled along, I'm going to look it up quick right now. But I mean, I think they've lost. You know, I think they're 0 three going into tonight's game in Utah on this West Coast trip. Uh, maybe 0 and two. Let me see here. So they were 18 and 18. Yeah, they were 18 and 18 on December 30th, and now that they're into this brutal stretch, they've lost. Uh, they've lost seven of nine in January. You know, one at Dallas barely, one at Brooklyn, or one at Brooklyn, but. Um, you know they've got Utah, then they play the Lakers, then they play the Warriors, and they play the Nuggets and Suns. I mean they're they're just on the road a lot, and I, I think you know you're, you already see them now five games under five hundred. I think you could easily see them ten or fifteen in a month. So um, you know if, if they've got three weeks until the trade deadline. Maybe if they could swing a trade for Kemba, that changes things. But uh, I, I don't see them. Um, I don't see them making the playoffs unless they do something like that. Because well, look, that that shouldn't be the point either, right? If you if you trade for Kemba. You're in a different situation, but if you um, if you don't if you don't make that move um, or you don't make a similar move, you've got a lot of young players uh, in the mix there, and um, I, I think you know you've got since Porzingis in his first year building a team or running a team, you got Frank you know, Aquino who should start getting more minutes as a rookie. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who um, need time to develop and grow, and they're just not very good, so. Um, no, I, I don't see them I don't see them as a playoff team unless they do make a move like the Kemba move. So that'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you again to all of you for submitting questions for this. I appreciate it. Thanks to the Hornets for making uh, the first part of this uh, lengthier than I expected because of all the Kemba talk. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can find me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Uh, you can find my work in the pages of the Washington Post on our website at washingtonpostcom sports. Thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Glenn is the NBA editor at the Post. Uh, Enjoy working with him, and I really enjoy his band and their music. I've seen them in concert; they're great. A lot of people have told me how much they like the music on the pod. Uh, So go support them. Support you know, go find the Western States online and purchase their music and support those guys. Uh, You know, support the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review wherever you can find it on uh, the web, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes. Google Play, TuneIn, Radio Public. I think there's a couple other spots. Uh, wherever you get it, give us a give us a five star rating review. It really helps a lot. Uh, it helps get the podcast out there more. So thank you in advance for that. Also, go support some of our other podcasts uh, like Letters Letters from War. Can you do that? Constitutional. Uh We got a great a lot of great stuff at the post. Um, really excited about where things are going. We just had Jess Stahl, who's you know been doing a lot of podcasts. I've Get promoted. Uh, to a new position overseeing a lot of this stuff, which I'm excited about. So I think we got a lot of good things coming. So go check out, go check out all of our other stuff too. Uh, thanks again, though, to all of you for listening to this pod and, and for submitting questions. Uh, gonna be back next week. Got a, got a couple pods, I think, already lined up. Should get back in the swing. I uh, hope to have a special guest next week. Gotta check on that. But uh, in the meantime, thank you to all of you for listening as always. And we'll talk to you again soon.